Yes, no, we were definitely not in leadership run um, at all. Um, we were not in the main, the main decision, you know, stakeholders um, or anything that was influencing. We just felt a need that something had to change. I think that was the breaking point where we felt like as parishioners, yes, we were serving, we had served previously in different ministries across the church. And I think it came to a point where we were like, yeah, if, you know, we saw that if we weren't to change, we are heading towards a road that is doomed. Welcome to the Ron Huntley Leadership Podcast, helping leaders be a positive catalyst on the people they support, the organizations they serve, and the communities they live. This podcast will make you think, laugh, and grit your teeth with new determination to make your parish or business a place of transformation, passion, and purpose. If you're still breathing, you are powered for impact. One of the questions I get asked most often is what do I do if my leader isn't interested in renewal? Yes, I get asked that question from lay people referring to their pastor, but also from associates asking about their boss, but also priests about their bishops. How do we lead up when we're ultimately not in charge? If that's how you feel, if that's a question that you find yourself asking, then this episode is for you. Enjoy the conversation. Lift off and the clock has started. Welcome back, everybody. Today's guests are Carlos and Jacinta Learn. Did I say that right? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Yes, I practiced on Adrian. Adrian is a teammate of Carlos and Jacinta, and he was on the podcast earlier uh, last year. And so I'm so excited to be able to record this podcast for me. Why don't you share with our guests a little bit about your church and where in the world you're located? Yes, so we are in, at the moment, it's summer, so we are in the hot summer of Melbourne. Um, and our little church is, is obviously in one of the burbs, in the suburbs. Um, and we are a Chinese community. So we're different, a little bit different from our normal local parishes. Um, we have about 150 to 200 people on a, on a mass um, on a Sunday. Um, but we, are, you know, a little bit of our history is that we existed first because there was a lot of influx of Chinese migrants to Melbourne. Um, now, listing about, I think our history is about 35 years. Um, and so 35 years ago, and we decided to set up something that had the faith background as well as the Chinese background. In, in it. Yeah, and I'd say we probably began as, you know, as a migrant community. So you get the Catholics and they, they really celebrated mass together. And then that generation really treasured having um, Cantonese and, and, and mass in their own language and culture. Mm. We are, I guess now we are facing that second generation. At first, uh, we, we speak English. Um, our children speak, they're born in Australia. So I guess the, the church itself is seeing the, the challenge of you see, the older generation being the, 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 the crux of the, the church, the first yeah. migrants, um, and then others are sort of leaking away for different reasons. Um, and I guess we recently also have to really sit down and really think about, well, why do we exist? What, what, what is our purpose? As a, as a community and, and, and as a parish. That's such a common experience of Catholics as they've kind of dispersed all over the world as they get to these different countries and then they gather, right? They gather, they gather for what? They gather for mass. And, and uh, I know my 
parents were from Ireland. And so they came here and they were persecuted people uh, when they came to Canada. And so, you know, to have a place where you could gather socially and be safe and educate your kids and all these things, like it just became a real part of survival. But then as they've integrated into the culture, then it's like, okay, well, that's no longer our primary need because they fit in now, they have jobs now, they speak the language now. And, and it just, for a lot of churches, I'm, I'm guessing that's common struggle. Mm, yeah. What's that look like for leadership for you guys? Share with our, share with our listeners a little bit about what that means to be a, a community instead of a, a geographical parish, which a lot of parishes are, you know, you live in these boundaries, this may be the church you should go to. It used to be steadfast, not so much anymore. Um, and But yours is different again. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so obviously we are primarily an ethnic community, which means, you know, that anyone speaking our, you know, primarily Cantonese, our community, mm-hmm. they would integrate into our community, whether they're from all over Uh, Melbourne so it's obviously not by location um, and it's always almost always by word of mouth um, a lot and also by maybe looking up on a website if you're a migrant I mean you know sort of a strange country you look up what's familiar and uh, often you know our websites have pointed people to us um, through that way yeah so it's a little bit different from your location based parish where you just rock up at a church next door I know for us, at, I was at Christ the King for a while, parish in Dartmouth, and we had two communities. We had the African mass, and so the Africans would gather once a month. And then we also had the French who gathered every week. And so we had three communities under that one roof um, and very different needs, it felt like. But, but in terms of how the priests and stuff, how does that work in terms of the leadership decision-making and things like that? What's that look like? Yeah, so we have um, obviously set up, you know, a little bit, again, different from the local parish. Um, We have our own sort of executive committee that kind of Mm. um, also for legal reasons, but also to run the community and help the community. And our priests, um, they they basically work with us, but they also um, allow that um, executive committee to hold decisions, to make you know, directional strategy for, for the community. Um, and there's, there's been times where, you know, because of other reasons, the priest has to leave um, or, you know, our first priest passed away. We, we often, the executive committee is, is responsible to look for the next priest that might help us. Um, and so in terms of leadership, it is almost a shared responsibility between the two. Obviously, the priest having still the, the priestly role and, and the pastor and the shepherd I'm shepherding the people. Neat. That's it's fascinating, isn't it? And I, and I know again for for listeners, not everybody. I I remember the first time I became aware of that model. It was when I was actually coaching a church in Australia. Uh, it was in Brisbane, mind you, and it was a charismatic community. And they told me I I had never heard of a church that functioned in that capacity, but it functions the same way that your community does. And I just thought, wow, that is so cool. And I think there'll probably be people listening going, I didn't realize that. And so that's kind of fun. So we met, boy, I, was it in 2019? 
that was when you came yeah, to Melbourne, on. So. Yes, we, we I didn't think so. know even then. Yeah, we were just uh, just go along to this little event, and uh, you this interesting guy, and and we had a we definitely enjoyed your session. And I remember we took a photo, Ron, um, because we had so many questions to ask you. And better remember him. <laughs> yeah, and lo and behold, we had no idea. Um, years later, how we reconnected again was after we essentially it was we read Divine Renovation, long story mm -hmm. short. And we actually, we didn't know what to do. We, we just caught on fire. We, we dared to believe. We dared to believe that what was written in the book, it can happen to us if we just give it a shot. And we took um, the workbook. Look, yeah, I remember sharing with you, Ron, like we, we, we are the Chinese culture. So we don't get started. We start planning. You know, we, instead of instead of the I have a dream, we have the I have a plan speech. Um, <laughs> but the I have a plan began with I have a dream. So what we ended up doing was we actually spent two years collating and building what divine renovation could look like for our community. Hmm. And we called that a five-year plan. Um, literally, it was just basically, thank you, Ron and Father Mallon on the workbook. We just followed the workbook with the SWAD, we did the dream. We did the interviews, but it was also a voice from the community. So it wasn't just from a few of us. We just, we basically gathered and we summarized and we said, look, this is what everyone's saying. This, this is your dreams. These are your, 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 your swaps. This is what you think we could do. And that, that at the end of that five-year plan, we just um, wanted to, really, we just wanted to thank you and Father Mallon. And we just uh, sent a blind email <laughs> to divinerenovation.com and said, Hello, we just want to thank you for the book, and this is what we did. And um, please pray for us. And uh, you connected with us, Ron. <laughs> yeah, I sure did. Well, I remembered you guys. I just was so impressed with you when I met you. I just thought these you guys are so full of life and joy and passion and capacity. And I could see that it was so obvious to me. I just, I was just, you guys were like magnets. I was just really attracted to your guys's faithfulness, your personality, your friendships, the relationships you have with each other. And, uh, and so, yeah, I was really excited to hear from you again. And then, and also to see what you did. I mean, you talk about, you know, what you did and basically that's the synod, isn't it? Like you had a synodal process within your church, like, and a really thorough one. And that does change everything. Uh, Right. Versus just a leadership that does what we've always done and going where we always thought we'd go, which often isn't anywhere exciting. Uh, and yet you guys, like you say, dared to believe, dove in, not just a small group, but engaged people in a conversation. And what came out of it was was spectacular. So how have you guys grown through that process and even beyond? Let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah. Um, that's a really good question. Look, how, how have I grown through that? You know, I think at first we looked at divine renovation as maybe a series of activity of things to do. And then we look at it as what can we do to say, renovate and fix the church, right? Do, do, do things. As we grow, as we journey deeper and deeper, I think one thing I first realized is we end up being the person that grows. So it's about growing ourselves instead of forcing others to grow. Um, and look, we, we talk about the plan and all that stuff. It, it was a lot of hard, hard influence because we, we, are, we are not part of the leadership. So it's how do we influence the leadership? How do we influence our parish priests? How do we communicate to the parishioners? And, and 
in a sense, all of those synog, as you say, that approach was really to use it as an opportunity to share that dream, to, to share, to, to stimulate everyone's thinking. And I don't think everyone was on board. Um, but at the end, I realized it's actually, at first we try to convince people, but in the end, it's more like, you know what? Sometimes you, it's not about you convincing people, is how much you believe that there is something much greater and bigger for our church than what it currently is. And, and I guess we won't be looking at different renovation if we didn't saw that we were in a maintenance mode. There was a lot of maintenance culture that was there. And I guess we are saying, look, he dare to believe that there's something else. Um, so, so first of all, I, I guess probably the biggest growth now I realize is actually ourselves. And second of all, I've now realized that divine innovation isn't a series of activities. Divine innovation is about changing our culture. It's not what's on the top, the iceberg, right? The iceberg analogy. I think, Ron, you had the iceberg analogy in 2019. It's what's underneath. And changing that, it's starting from changing ourselves, changing people, and slowly, bit by bit, that, that's that growth. And, and yeah. Yeah, and I think, you know, to, sum, to sort of summarize, it, it's the whole um, going from your head to your heart. Um, that analogy of, yes, we were on fire. Yes, you know, we were like looking for the next thing to do, next thing to crash. Um, and then kind of sitting back and after, you know, this amount of period of time, it wasn't short, um, you know, from, from the day we finished, you know, did the report, that took a few years, then finished the report and then started walking on this journey and actually be on the ground and doing the work. Um, it really firstly changed our view that this renovation is about people, people and people. And it's about having a heart for people. And often as a church, we don't do that enough. We say it, we say it all the time. We are loving, we are God loving, you know, we love everybody. But do we do we really put that as a focus? Um and you know, we we were discussing earlier about seeing colors and it's the same analogy. You know, we our eyes, if our eyes um, are trained to focus on everything else, then we miss the people. We miss the people that we actually are supposed to be focused on. Um, if our eyes are tuned to people, then everywhere we see is about how to help people, how to love people, how to, how to care for people. And I think, you know, that is one of our biggest areas of growth where we, we changed from actions doing things to about being people-focused, about what value can we bring to this person and we help this person. And as those seeds grow, we trust and we believe that God has a bigger hand in this, um, yeah. you know. Yeah. So we are like a one year on in the journey um, since so we, we took two years to write the, the, the plan and, and we, you know, and we met Ron and Ron said, all right, guys, you can't just keep writing. Uh, you've got to do something. So, so this is one year on from when we really began the journey. What have we done in this last year? As Jacinta was saying, it's really about people. So first thing we did, one of the things we did was um, gather all the leaders together. Um, we also learned that, you know, Jesus disproportionately invested in his um, closest and even closer. So we've realized that people who are serving our church do not feel any different. It is like, it's like maintenance, you're just doing things. So we said our, our leaders need to be valued, need to feel different, need to be special. It's all about them. So we started gathering them together to foster relationships who um, we met once a month. We, we met to do things. We met to brag on each other, which was a very, un, you know, for Chinese is like, oh. ah, 
<laughs> I can't brag. I can't say why I like this people, what, what they're doing so well in. Um, so we, and we also had to learn about the coal analogy. We talked about, you know, if, if you, if you have coal, if you, if you've ever done, you know, camping and stuff, coal left on its own goes cold. It dies very quickly. Coal stuck together. I woke up in the morning. It is still hot. It's like, wow, it's been burning all night. We real, and we, we've been sharing with the leaders because we are so siloed and separated. Yeah. We will, our fire will go cold, but if the leaders stick together and we love each other and, and that took time to really learn about each other. Um, we will start blowing. So a lot of that relationship began like, like we work together, but honestly, I don't even know what you do as a job. I don't even know about your family. And it began, it sounds really basic, but it really began with getting to know each other deeply. Mm. Well, that, that's, that's, uh, that's so beautiful because that's the very thing that drove me as a young boy. Like, we would go to church all the time and listeners may have heard me say this before, but that song, they'll know we are Christians by our love. We will walk with each other. We will walk side by side. And I just thought this isn't true. Like it, I wished it was true. It sounds amazing to be a part of a team and a community that really knew each other and loved each other, but we don't love each other. I don't even know you guys. Like, like I don't even know you. You don't love me. Like, you know, and, theory, I guess you do, but you know nothing about me. I know they didn't know my story. I didn't know theirs. And there was no place to facilitate it because all we did was went to mass where you listen and go to Sunday school where you listen and then you go home and be normal. It was like, like there was just no avenue, no venues, no platforms to know and be known. And it just made church so uninspiring. It wasn't because the Theology wasn't great, and the preaching wasn't great, and the music wasn't great. And, but boy, people are great. And if we don't take the time to get to know people, we miss the, the point. <laughs> and as a church, I think we're guilty of that globally. It's so funny. And that's why the Synod is such a big deal. We're actually going to have a conversation. And we're going to care what other people say. Yeah, it's crazy. Let's try that. Like, it's so funny. It's a thing. <laughs> because the rest of the world looks at the, at the church and thinks we know each other. And we don't. Yeah. It's, and then we realize that. And that's why we actually called last, the, the year one, we called it the year of get together. Yeah. So focusing yeah. on the five aspects like fellowship, discipleship, evangelization, ministry, and uh, worship. We said, okay, year one is actually, let's go back to the basics of fellowship. So one of the initiatives we did, actually, we only had one big bet for the community because we want to empower everyone as, as much as the leaders. We call it a meal a month. So we challenged everyone sitting in the pews, just in a, it, it, once a month, have a meal with someone you've never had before. Just anyone that you've had, I don't know, a coffee, a walk, I don't know, a lunch, a dinner, just invite that person and have a meal together and, and get to know each other. And, and really because to go from maintenance to missionary, we know that the ultimate aim is to outreach and to reach the people that we don't know. Yeah. We said, if we, if we can't even know people that we do know, that we see each other for 10 years, how are we going to talk to a stranger? And it's interesting. We have parishioners that sort of come up and say, I don't know how to ask. Like, like but you, what do you mean? Just go. So, and, and, it's very, very interesting where 
you know, I remember holding someone by the hand and said, okay, let's just go, let's take the courage and walk up together and say, hello, um, what's your name? Would you guys like to just have a, have a chat and maybe have a meal together? And, and it's, it, you are in a way, yeah, it's going back to the basics. Um, look, it took a year and I would say we grew a little bit more. You do, what do you see? Like I see at the, now this year, there's a little bit more vibrancy, I isn't think, it? I think it's very hard to judge any fruit because, um, and, and that is with, you know, any initiative, you know, our community going, okay, at the end of this year, what have we done? Have we seen anything? Um, people are impatient. They want to see results. They want to see instant, you know, instant results. And I think these type of things, it, it slowly builds. You know, you sow the seeds and it slowly builds. And there's definitely little, you know, little flowers in here and there popping up. And you can see that the whole community has embraced this concept. And whereas, yes, when there are new people that are coming to the community, yes, let's have dinner straight away. And it's, it's, it's that mentality of I can do something about this, you know, have dinner, have as simple as sit down for a meal. Um, and it's not something that you can quantify, but there is definitely a spirit of hospitality here. Um, I, and I feel that it has grown in that regard. And what we did was we also got everyone to, when they have a meal, to have a, take a selfie. And then we collated all the selfies and then we were broadcasted at the end of mass. Like we're just, just in the communal area, like not, not in front of your face, but as you walk through, you just see all these little photos, people having dinner, laughing, smiling. And just sort of go, oh, maybe I, yeah. Like it's just brainwashing, but it's like, so maybe I can have a meal. Maybe I can have a meal. I hope, I hope the listeners steal this and take it to your church. Like, honestly, it's such, that is not a small idea. If you ask me, that's a humongous ground shift because it is scary. It's one thing to have dinner with people, you know, and haven't had dinner in a while or a meal of some sort or coffee, but to do that and encourage people to do that, that is a ginormous shift. And, and I just, applaud you guys for that a meal a month you did not get that from divine renovation that is that's that's straight from these guys give these guys credit when you steal it (laughs) do it take selfies send them to me i'll send them to these guys and and we'll show them that this idea is has legs there's a few things i just want to backtrack on because i don't want them to be missed because they're so beautiful one of them and this is ground shifting (laughs) i do not have an answer. One of the questions I get asked more than anything else is, I love what you guys are doing, you know, at Divine Renovation or, you know, since I've stepped down, I, 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 but, but my, my pastor's not engaged or the leadership isn't engaged. What can I do? And honestly, I haven't ever had anything to say that would give anybody any hope. Because I don't know what to do. Like, it's so frustrating when, when people in leadership lack passion. And you're telling me you guys did all the stuff and you weren't in leadership. Is that what you're saying? Like, I just don't want that to be lost. Were you guys not in leadership? <laughs> yes, no, I- we were definitely not in leadership, Ron, um, at all. Um, we were not in the main, the main decision, you know, stakeholders um, or anything that was influencing. We just felt a need that something had to change. I think that was the breaking point where we felt like as parishioners, yes, we were serving, we had served previously in different ministries across the church. Yeah. And I think it came to a point where we were like, yeah, if, you know, we saw that if we weren't to change, we are heading towards a road that is doomed. And you never stand still. You either, you know, wither away or you grow. Mm-hmm. 
Amen. And we had to make, you know, we had to make a decision. We had to make people realize it. You know, it wasn't just the leadership had to realize it. Everybody else had to realize it. And, and I think, you know, as more people realize, yeah, 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 you know, I resonate with that. Um, well, in a sense, then you, you, as leadership, you can't ignore what's been said, what's being said. Um, you know, there, there is a sense that, yes, you know, change is good. People are saying these things. It's not just us. People are saying change is good. Um, and I think it really puts the spotlight on the right areas to go, the leadership to go, ah, oh, maybe we should think about this. Um, maybe, you know. And I'll share our secret sauce with everyone. Um, I, I do believe that it's a secret sauce that we came upon. And back to the Chinese thing, because we didn't start with actions, we started with a plan. And, and what that means is we started writing it down. Mm. So we've, what we found was, yes, we could talk to people and, and get excited about the environmental innovation or the thoughts. And we ran workshops and we go, how many times can we speak? Like, and, and, and after you speak, a few weeks later, it sort of withers away. Like, you know, the fire is gone. Yeah. And then we, we really pushed ourselves to turn it into a written document. Mm -hmm. um, and, yeah, you can see it on our website. We've got the five-year plan. And then we also, you know, you know Jacinda put in there a lot of that effort. We turned it into a mini video that we, with a visual representation. So good. That did it in 90 seconds. And when it's written down, and, and, and it's not what we say, it is we just, as we were saying, we did the synod, we, we, we collated everyone's thoughts. When it's written down, it's, it, it starts to, tr it, it, you're now not dependent on how, how many times you speak about it. It becomes People more real, doesn't it? it? People start watching yeah. it, it's real. Mm. And I think that starts to, as a leadership team, you can't ignore this because mm. it's the voice of the people. It's the voice and people start getting, people say, oh, what is this plan? What is this doing? And it starts to generate conversation. And, mm. and then I guess the meal a month, and then I guess it is then taking step by step with the leadership team and say, look, and maybe at first they were like, wow, what are you guys trying to do? You guys are trying to change the whole thing. And we had, we had to learn to take baby steps as well. And we talk about the APEST as well, Ron. You know, you talk a lot about APEST. We realized maybe everyone can guess, like, you know, Jacinda and I, we are like A and E, double couple <laughs> AE. And we did the whole, whole um, got our leadership onto APES and we were like the very few, we were, I think, the only two AEs. So Yeah, no wonder all the clashes. <laughs> so we had a lot of clashes. Discussions. <laughs> but I guess it is then saying, look, we, we have to work as a team. Right. We bring the AE, but you bring the other perspective. You don't want change, but we also see that, you know, we scratched in Father Mallon talked about finding the mosquito bite and we kept scratching it, but we got yeah. to change. So it started for us, it became a, what I call a personal journey. We started to learn how to love all our leaders because we share a mutual purpose. We started, yes, we clash, but I love you as a brother. And I, I love mm. you as a person. Let, and we, it, it, took, it took time and it took a lot of these meals as well. It's like, you know what? We always debate on like church strategy and all that. We never actually sat down and actually just had a meal and just share about life. Um, we went, we, it, it, we also have another motto that we used to have. It was like, we share, we care, we dare. Mm. Um, and, and, you know, sharing, caring, and then daring each other, um, building that relationship. Oh, man, this is so good. I'm having so much fun talking to you guys. I hope, I hope the listeners are having just as much fun listening as I am <laughs> talking to you guys because there's so much in here. Like that, that 
two-year journey of of writing, you know, talking to people, dreaming and and getting to know them. And you're creating vision carriers, right? You're creating vision carriers. And there's so many people who have apostolic as one of their charisms. If they're not in leadership, they get frustrated, they'll leave. Like so many amazing people leave the church because they're so frustrated, but you took that holy discontent and you turned it into something positive. You turned, you gave it life. You dared to give it life instead of feeding the frustration. And that can turn to negativity and anger and bitterness and hurt because it's got to be fed. What are you going to feed it with? <laughs> you know, you're going to feed it with hope or you're going to feed it with, with, with frustration. And, and you guys fed it with hope and turned it into something positive. I just, it's such an encouragement to all the apostolic people in the world who, who maybe are struggling right now because it's okay to struggle. It's normal to struggle, particularly if you're apostolic. Well, I guess, no, that's not true. All five of the, the apostles can, can struggle and be frustrated. I can just relate to yours because I'm apostolic as well. But I think I've definitely fed that with negativity and frustration in the past, and it's turned into things that were very um, judgmental. And I, I could condemn uh, and not even know what I was doing it, just being self-righteous and a lot of things that, that weren't healthy. And I just love what you guys have done with your apostolic zeal. And it's so cool that you're a couple with apostolic. Well, innovation. and then we sort of picked up your, your work, Ron, and, and I guess we, we trusted you and doubled down and pulled all our, bas- all our eggs into the alpha basket. And, and look, and as apostolic and all that, all the change, yes, we desire much bigger change but we can't change everything at once. And there's still lots of things that we can, we can still renovate. Um, we took on, we took on alpha and we took on, so the two things we took on last year Why was did alpha, you do that? And we took on leaders, um, the leaders of Emerald. And, and the alpha piece was, um, it was then creating a, as you say, because you used the word judgmental, it was creating that non-judgmental culture. Um, mm-hmm. Doing, <laughs> doing alpha the right way. Um, it is then the invitational, it is the listening, it is going through all of the um, alpha training to grow oneself. And really the fruit then that turned out from the, the, the parish's point of view is how come everybody related to this alpha thing are so happy? They're so positive, they're so energetic. And it's like, I'm only talking about 10, 15, 20 people. Not a lot. Right? Yes. It's like, yeah. um, but people are like, and then we have people sort of say, hey, you're taking people from my ministry. Um, you know, they're all in this alpha thing with you. And you go, well, okay. And then now what we're doing, what, what, what those people are doing is they're taking that energy into those ministries, into other ministries. And, and I feel we are really just, at, we're just tying our shoelace. We really just began. Um, but it is that energy, that positivity. I think especially, you know, with the last two years, being COVID and being churches, you know, dying because of, you know, people not attending, people scared, you know, mass is not going on. There was definitely this lack of community, um, even whether there was, you know, alpha or not, it, it was basically very detrimental to the church. And I think having alpha, having ran alpha in the midst of that, especially last year when we first started, um, it really gave people a sign of hope. Um, that something's happening. Um, and yes, we had to push all our alphas online. All the launches went online, um, you know, last minute changes, but it didn't, I think, 
as leaders, sometimes you've really got to jump and believe and kind of go, yes, there's COVID. Yes, this is not happening. But you know what? Just do it anyway. And 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 I think that's that's our mentality. Like we know it's going to happen. We know it works. Let's do it anyway. And I think out of that, you know, um, Carl was so right that you know, that positive energy um, is surpassing the negative energy. You know, there's you know we 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 learn that negativity. You can't just plug negativity out. It doesn't happen like that. Mm. What you can do is flush it out with positivity so increase your positivity and as you do that you know you, your your ratio starts start falling the other way um and you have more you and as a result things start to change and it becomes a catalyst for i things. learned that from mowing the lawn because i kept trying to pluck the weeds out and it kept coming back until i realized that the way to to manage the weeds is to actually grow the grass. Good, good, good grass yeah so I realized that God created all soil to grow. So if you don't look after it, weeds will grow because that's how it will grow. So if you pluck out the bad stuff without growing good stuff, if you don't instill good habits, good culture, the bad will come back. So the way to grow it is to just flush it with more goodness. And I think what Jacinta said there, it was also intentional how we build our alpha team. And I just want to share on that was we, I think in the past, we looked for people with skill set. Oh, we need a host. We need a facilitator. You look for people with that skill. This time we went vision-based. We shared our vision and we said, would you like, and then we, we, we actually, we had a video of you, Ron, and we had people doing homework and we had a few questions for them to reflect. And we said, do you believe in this vision? Dare to believe. And would you like to contribute with us to make this vision a reality? And the people say, I, 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 yeah, but I've got no skill. I, I don't know how to do any of this. And we said, doesn't matter. We'll figure it out. And, and, and we are building our current team now. We have no idea what roles are going to be filled. We just look for people with the same passion. And there are people with good skills that says, Carlos, I believe the vision, but I don't believe in enough. I'm going to do other things. And that's fine. So we ended up having people who we gather and go, okay, look, all we know in common is we all believe in this dream. Let's now work out how we're going to get, make this happen. And I think this is a very different approach from how we've approached other things. And we are starting to implement this approach, starting to trial it in other ministries now, like say family and marriage ministry. Like let's not look for people who have a passion for this and have believe in the dream. They've got to believe in the same dream, then work out what to do versus the other way. Around. That's what Jesus did, isn't it? Yes, that's right. I was he went that. and he could see people's hearts. And he just said, come follow me. You're going to make you fishers of men. Well, I don't fish for men. I fish for fish. Don't worry about it. Like, we'll, we'll figure it out. Oh, by the way, you're the first Pope. Like, I mean, I, come on. It's crazy. But it's that same thing. There's this desire. This you have a conversation. Would you like to? Here's the vision. Would you like to come on a journey? Like, that's just so good. Because you're right. We have in the past. I remember years ago, I built a. Catholic Toastmasters Club, first one in Atlantic Canada. And I picked the smartest people who were so well equipped for whatever the particular role was, because there was a lot of roles that needed to be filled to start a club. And I handpicked every one of them based on their skill set. And I was so, we were going to have the best club ever. Within six months, all of them let me down. None of them were reliable. And I had to replace them all with just regular people who 
came to uh, Toastmasters because they were terrible at speaking and wanted to overcome their fear. They didn't have a clue how to do all the stuff that we needed to do. And they were amazing. They were way better than the people that were so talented. <laughs> yeah, it was so fun. And so I just love that approach, that vision approach. And yeah. And then, and then to share and watch people grow in their skill sets and take risks and trust and, oh, that's, that's community boy. That's how you build. That's how you build people. That's how you build community. That's how you build trust. And that's where God does his best work. I think. Yeah. So, so good. And so you said something again, this is going back, but I, I just want to draw it out. You said the person who grew the most was us. And instead of forcing others to grow, we realized we were the ones that were being transformed. We were the ones that were growing the most. And right on my website, it's, it says renewal starts within. And it's just me sitting in the pew by myself. And that was the branding guy's idea. It wasn't mine. But it's true. And, and, and that's what I say to all the priests I end up working with and their teams. Nobody's going to grow in your church more than you. Let's be clear. And we often, people often come into coaching to fix other people, right? Like, just tell me what I need to do to fix those doughheads. Like, we got, we got to get those lazy people going or those whatever, those maintenance people. Or, you know, we always think we're the ones that are just right where I need to be. And those people need to be fixed. And every time, it's the leaders that change the most they transform the most but it's that transformation that's what that's what becomes contagious for everybody else because they see it in you and they see it in the team that you form and they realize it's authentic and it's like if you're willing to go through that if you believe that maybe i can believe it too versus telling people what to do and i think most people start with wanting to tell people what to do yes um, it, it's sort of, they, they, you know, like everyone finds it hard. Everyone finds it disappointing. We find our churches, their situations, certain things happening, disappointing. Yeah. And, and I'm learning leadership is when you see that, you dare to believe you, you dare to say, I'm going to make, I, I can make a difference. Even how slight of a difference that seed is, you sow the seed and you believe that that seed, that must, the seed will grow. And, and that, that is, and that, that's how you begin. And, and, and as you start believing, you start speaking belief, positivity, dream. We start speaking this five-year dream that we have. I see the church in a different, I don't see this. In five years time, I see our church being outreaching, passionate. We have vibrant, we are, we're invitational. All of the values that um, we find in the environment vision book, we keep speaking it. People start believing it, and and I guess, and then then they start changing themselves, and and that becomes the strongest witness. And and I, and obviously, I didn't start that way. I didn't. I, that, so that this is our change, our growth in the last two years. I, I did not begin this journey realizing that the person who's we can grow the most is ourselves. And and how how do we be intentional now about leadership development and growth? It's sort of become our I think it's it's so true. Like you know, we we were like everyone else. We were pointing fingers at this, at that, and and going, you know what? Like you know, you suck, and you you should change, and you should do that. And and I think you know, we ended up going, okay, no, I, I'm going to own 
what I have. I should change, right? I should, I should grow. And then, you know, the eyes of the other, the other way where we're the, the ministry that we're working on, all the things that we're doing, we don't put it on our put the eyes on ourselves, where we used to go, okay, well, what what are my agendas? You know, what is my work? What is my industry? What is my aim? What is my goal? Everything me. Instead, you put your, that eye on on others, on others, on the team, on you know what's happening around you. So it's kind of that sort of you know one you you, you point the finger back at yourself, and the other one you put the eyes on the. the and other. actually, I do want to say this growth. It's I I, I do want to highlight that word intentional. So what what has changed? What has changed in, since two three years ago? Um, we started in. We have a regular um, praying habit. We have in. We have a. We've started a listening habit with our leaders. We would send them monthly um, two podcasts, and we would share our reflections on podcasts. So, so it's intentional growing leadership. So it's not podcasts on good homilies, and there's some good homilies, but it's all on leadership topics. Um, we, I, I, you know, just and I started being intentional about our reading. What are we reading? What are we feeding our minds? Are we reading leadership books to grow as a leader? But because you are in a, you see the benefits of, of you growing, you keep growing yourself. And then others go, oh, let's, let's listen to podcasts as well. Okay, what is this book that is so powerful? And you share. And this growing culture becomes, that, that becomes the, the, the seed. And, 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 and the, the cultural change is, is, is born by each person renovating themselves. When you do Alpha, when you guys host your meetings and stuff, what language do you do that stuff in? So we do that in Chinese. So our cool. Alpha is run in Chinese. Yes. Awesome. Awesome. So it's really, I, and the reason I ask is I remember um, we had a huge Filipino community at St. Benedict Parish, and they invited me. Actually, I can, I can tell a couple of stories, but uh, they invited me to this great big party they were having. Um, and I was really honored because I really love the people and I, I am not Filipino. And so <laughs> to be able to come to their family gathering and it wasn't just, I say family, it was all the Filipinos, but and their families, right? They were, they're one big family. And it was an honor to be there because I saw them laughing and playing their silly games. They had all these fun activities and it was, so I'm killing myself laughing and they're killing themselves laughing. It was so intergenerational. And I could just see these family values lived out within this culture. And I just thought this is so attractive to the general population. It was so attractive to the general population. And I think to myself, the more that you guys break down these walls of not knowing each other very well and having a meal a month and being invitational and everything else, and the more you fall in love with each other, Again, it's back to that song. They all know we are Christians by our love. Like when we really model love and with laughter and knowing each other and caring, that's so attractive to the rest of the world. And, and I hope in the future that you uh, let some non-Chinese people in there with you because what you guys are building is what heals people's souls. It's what brings people home to God. And, uh, and it's going to be attractive for, for people of all different stripes. And, um, you know, yeah, it's so beautiful what you're doing and how you're going about it. 
it's awesome. And and I think maybe too, though I say that, um, you know, the very fact that you start it with a plan and a dream, you start it from a place of non-authority, you know, you know, just like Jesus. It's like, who's this guy? You're a carpenter. Like, my gosh, why is anybody listening to this guy? He, he influenced, like he understood influence and he lived out his influence and it, and it was contagious and it grew. We didn't have a seat of authority that anybody could see. Of course, he was the king of kings, but people didn't know that, right? And, and, and so he grew into his influence. Um, and, and I think about what you're doing and how you're doing and even doing this podcast, you will have inspired so many people with this podcast. This is such what, like the principles that you're living out, who you are and how you're living it out is so inspirational. And, and, and I hope, I hope that um, your influence continues to grow even beyond your parish because who you are, what you're doing and how you're doing it needs to be shared like it's just so hope-filled yeah you guys are awesome oh and 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 i guess if if i can add a thought is if we can do it you can do it anyone can do it it's just being intentional and accountable to growing to being a disciple and to say yes to leadership and i realize as ron is saying like we, we we don't have any positional leadership um, but I realize leadership comes in many forms. Influence comes in many forms, and leadership is essentially um, helping towards a vision. Um, and, 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 and I would say that, you know, a lot of people might say, oh, well, that's a dream, but how do you know God's dream is different from that? And I would say, you know, in prayer the other day, you know, I just, I just really felt God was saying, look, yes, my dream, my plan is infinitely bigger and greater than what you can see. But I gave you that little piece for a reason. And if you don't hold on to that, then what happens to my bigger dream? You know, it's made of these millions of pieces of these little dreams that I've shared with different people. And if you don't hold on to that, then my final picture won't be complete. Like I'm, I just don't have another way of having that happen. So it's holding on to that, even that little piece that you see and not giving up. And someone yeah. said to us, um, you know, if, you're, if no one laughs at your dream, it's not big enough. And, and I think as we, kept, we dare to dream and dream and dream, yeah, if, if, if everyone agrees with your dream, then maybe it's not big enough. Um, and then dare to dream and dare to believe. But, but we've been also really blessed and I trust each of you will be really blessed because we have people, you know, we met Ron and Ron spoke to our lives. Mm -hmm. um, so we have Ron, you know, we thank you for believing in us. We, we don't have many people that believe in us and believe in our dreams. But then I realized all you need is a handful, a very few, and you believe in that and you dare to believe and, and go. And, and there are people who believe in, in each, of, each of you. I really And mm -hmm. hold on to that and grow. Well, it's been an honor to be one of those people in your life. And I, I can't imagine people not seeing what I see like that to me is absolute utter blindness. Like to me, it's so obvious. And, but I guess it's probably like that for other people. Cause I think, well, it's like, yeah, you're right. I have a handful of people 
that believe in me beyond a shadow of a doubt. And they've spoken into me in some dark seasons of life, some times of uncertainty, sometimes when I'm blind, sometimes when I've lost that piece of the vision that God gave me through discouragement or life circumstances. And if I didn't have those, and if I don't have those people in my life, I, I put myself at risk. And so I'm so happy to have been in one of those people in your guys' life because I do. I believe in you guys so much. I'm so excited and proud of what you guys continue to do and how you continue to grow. I love it every time we get together and, and you share. Like even today, I'm so inspired by what you guys are sharing. I listen to this 10 times and uh, just to continue to be encouraged by you guys. Yeah, I really appreciate you. Yeah, thank you, Ron. Yes, thank you, Ron. And, um, you know, as you believe in us, and the next thing is we pay forward and we believe in others. Yeah. And by that, that's leadership, growing leadership, and that's how our church would transform. Amen. Amen. Well, keep up the great work, you guys. I love you both. Thank you, Ron. Wherever you find yourself, be determined to make a difference. You don't have to have a good leader to be a good leader. And thank goodness for that. Let leadership start with you. And remember, great leadership is about others. It's about making them great. Please take the time to rate the podcast five stars if you're listening on iTunes. And if you know someone who would specifically enjoy this episode, please share it now before it slips your mind. Thank you for listening. I want to encourage you as you lead this week, be faithful to God and generous to others. See you next time. And remember, if you're still breathing, you are powered for impact.